カスタイム今次の放送は晩による晩のための晩放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はグランドスパンダーやりくんの財布の敵を日程送りますスイッチオンワンツースリー電流火花が体を走る自動チェンジ機械だダークロボット迎え撃て人造人間機械だはい、みなさん、こんにちは。今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日は、今日All right, so we are here to do our ongoing index coverage of Android Kikaida. And I know John Vanover had been mentioning to me, he was kind of like, hey man, when's the next episode going to be out of Kikaida? So I know people are jonesing for this. I just pulling back the veil. I know that, you know, we, we try to release things on a weekly basis and stuff, but that doesn't always necessarily entail that we're doing specific shows on a weekly basis because there's only so many of us and there's only so much time in the day. But, you know, it's kind of like one of those old adages where it'll be ready when it's ready. But, you know, anyway, but we're going to get into this here. And this is actually episode 12, which is titled Silver Cat Ruthless Sorceress, or the long winded Wikipedia title is going to be The Cruel Witch Silver Cat. And the teleplay is by Shoichi Shimazu. And the director of the episode is Hidetoshi Kitamura. And the broadcast original air date is September 30th, 1972. The August Rangone simple synopsis from the DVD and some of these internet pages that we like to go to is as follows Professor Gill sends Silver Cat in search of some ancient treasures that hold the secret to increasing the capabilities of the androids. And of course, we are kind of sad to say that the Henshin Online that we were using for some of these factoid resources has gone kaput. It's now some kind of casino, but luckily we're using the Wayback Machine to pull some of that info, so Justin can read some of those factoids as they come up in the synopsizing of this episode. But we'll just get into it here. We open up on Professor Gill, secluded away at Dark Headquarters. He calls to the Dark Warrior, Silver Cat. To appear before him. Silver Cat first appears in silhouette, save for his glowing yellow and green eyes. Professor Gill instructs Silver Cat to look at the monitor displaying the Sakura Gaoka Museum. The exotic looking Sakura Gaoka Art Museum, where the treasure of manga was kept, is actually the Kyutama Siseki Memorial Hall in Sakura Gaoka on the outskirts of Tokyo. This well employed location can be seen in a number of superhero television shows, 
and fantasy movies, including many entries in the Master Rider series, Toho's Rainbow Man, The Warrior of Piety, P Productions' Denji Zaboga, and many others. Interestingly, this is the same location as Ishimori's residence in suburban Tokyo. Professor Gill tells Silvercat, a new collection from the late Duke Uville of France has just arrived at the museum. Of all the artifacts, Silvercat is to specifically target the crown of the ancient manga empire, which will dramatically increase the powers of the dark androids created moving forward. Despite the tight security and any collateral damage inflicted on the other artifacts, Professor Gill insists the number one priority is the manga crown. It must be obtained at all costs. And man, Professor Gill does not give a shit about <laughs> anything else. Like, that's the number one priority. It could be like Todd McFarlane's there with his $4 million baseball. <laughs> and he's like, no, fuck that baseball. You can blow it up. What we need, we need this crown. Like, it's really important. We don't know how it's going to power up androids, but it, it's going to do it. And it's really important. So, got to get the crown. While driving along a dirt road, a young woman nearly runs over a lady standing in the middle of the road dressed in all white. When the young woman slams on her brakes and then looks up to see if she's hit the lady in white, she's confounded to find she's disappeared and looks to have never been on the road at all. She exits her automobile to look for any damage to the front of the car, and when she finds nothing, she merrily skips back into the driver's seat. Only when she jumps back into the car, she is shocked to see the ghostly lady in white, chilling like a villain in her back seat. The lady in white has been waiting for the young woman, waiting for her to die. The ghostly lady in white transforms into the dark destructoid Silver Cat and chases the young woman as she runs away on foot from her car, only to have Silver Cat eventually catch up to her and straddle her person until the dark destructoid fades into her very body, possessing the young woman body and soul. And I gotta say, I was I was kind of worried for the the lady there. Like, you know, I, I thought it got kind of kind of. You know all that straddling and stuff. I was I was kind of concerned, but you know, I guess she's she's possessed now, so it, it's okay. Meanwhile, Mitsuku and Masaru have arrived at the museum as well, and they're there to see the curator, a man named Hitosubashi, who is an old friend of their father's, Professor Komoji. The local security officers let her enter along with Yoko Hitosubashi, who is the young woman now possessed by Silver Cat. Curator Hitosabashi's daughter, Yoko, who becomes possessed by Silver Cat, was played by Etsuko Matsuo. The character was supposed to be the only human form for Silver Cat in the preliminary teleplay. Matsuo also appeared in episode 26 of Masked Rider. Meanwhile, sweating under Silver Cat's foam rubber hide was the Mishima Kinjika's Ko Heyami. That is kind of interesting that originally, I guess the intent was... The, the suit actor was going to be the only version of Silver Cat and he was going to come along and possess the cute little girl in the polka dot dress and everything and she was going to be just the only the only human and everything but it seems like later they decided they needed to have like a, a super sexy evil sentai lady you know as the <laughs> as the human form for Silver Cat yeah 
So I know like we, we normally get into this and stuff and it's probably about that time, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what are your thoughts on Silvercat, Justin? Like, what do you think of the character in the suit? He, he's cool, but I'm going to admit, like, I'm probably predisposed to think he's cool because I'm a cat person. Like, I, I can't think of a time in my life when I didn't have at least one cat. And like, like right now I've got like five. So, so yeah, I, I'm definitely a cat person and Silver Cat's pretty cool. And like, I was kind of thinking his, it's kind of like they took like uh, an early Cyberman costume and just put like a cat's head on it. That's kind of what I, what I think of. Cause you've got like this, you know, exaggerated kind of cartoonish cat head. And then the rest of the body is kind of like silver and black with like, it looks like maybe circuit board etchings kind of designed yeah. on the suit. I yeah. was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think Silver Cat's pretty cool. Like, you, you know what I liked the best was that how, how it started out and all kind of silhouette, and then and then mm. they kind of had the like the glowing yellow and green eyes and everything. So it, it you know it had a good you know obviously as we're we're fond of pointing out you know this isn't the the you know this doesn't have the most production value. It's not necessarily you know a show with the biggest budget but I, I think it does a good job of, of setting up silver cat i like sort of the ominous silhouette and then all of a sudden kind of seeing those glowing yellow eyes and everything is kind of cool yeah takiko mizukami who plays the primary human disguise of silver cat also played another monster in human clothing she appeared as the seductive alien gadura we get Dan Moraboshi to look unwittingly under the hood of her car in episode 4 of Subaraya Productions Ultra 7. She also appears in Masked Rider as Chikako Amiyama and as Monami. Man, I want to look under the hood of her car. <laughs> yeah. Seductive. Pervert, you're pervert. Yes, yes. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, that I mean, you know, yeah, she's. It's funny because because I think when she first shows up, kind of ghostly and stuff, she's got kind of the the rings under her eyes and everything, and she kind of looks spooky and stuff. But I think you know, as we get later into the episode, you know, she she definitely is typecast as a a seductive lady, you know, that's you know, sexy evil sentai lady type, you know, and and I I you know I I think I kind of remember because I've seen. You know, I've seen at least the first 20 or so episodes of the original Master Rider, and I kind of recognize the name, you know, the, the Chicago name. So I'm sure I've probably run into her, you know, in, in some of these other pieces. And obviously you and I have both seen Ultra 7, so. Yeah. As Mitsuku and Masaru observe curator Hito Subashi unveil the manga crown, Mitsuko exposits that her father told her about the awesome powers of the crown, and Masaru thinks perhaps their father will hear about the collection piece being on display locally. The three are all hoping Professor Komoji comes to see the crown so they can help him recover his lost memories. As the office door creepily creaks open, it is revealed to only be the curator's daughter, Yoko. Yoko demands the crown for herself. I want that crown! And Mitsuku can see that Silvercat has possessed her when she sees Silvercat's shadow reflected from Yoko's body. Yoko laughs and transforms into Silvercator, the strongest of the Dark Destructoids. 
which is probably hyperbole, but we'll see. <laughs> Curator Hitosubashi attempts to stop Silver Cat from stealing the crown, but gets swatted away. He then trips the alarm, but not before Silver Cat sends some projectile cat claws digging into his legs. Ow! Looks like that hurts, man. The actor playing curator Hitosabashi at the Sakura Goka Art Museum is Ichiro Shimizu. Tokusatsu fans might recognize him as space botanist Dr. Yayushi in episodes 3 and 17 of Toei's Giant Robot, better known to American fans as Johnny Sako and his flying robot. Of course, Kikaida fans will remember that Shimizu also appeared in the Kikaida, the 3D movie as the father of the young boy, Hiroshi Aoki. Yeah, I think we'll probably get to the Kakaida 3D movie in about, like, 24 more episodes or something. It's like, <laughs> I think it's somewhere in between, like, 35, 34 and 35, something like that, like, chronologically. So we'll, we'll get to that eventually, but I think that's, that's right about when it comes up and stuff. There's, I know it comes up later in the fight and stuff, but it's worth mentioning, like, besides the, the cat projectiles, I think Silver Cat kind of, at one point, has this kind of rotary thing on his chest, and I, I think I yeah. thought at some point, like, it was going to be some kind of Gatling gun or something like Rhinox, like, where he was going to unload <laughs> a bunch of bullets on Kakaida or something like that, but... It, it just seemed to rotate, and then, like, it kind of didn't do anything. Like, Akita kind of yeah. did some, some jumping jacks, and he, he did some <laughs> somersaults and, 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 and cartwheels and shit, and just nothing nothing really happened, you know? So I was kind of disappointed with that. But, you know, the cat claws are pretty deadly, but, you know, I was wondering what the deal with that rotate thing was, you know, since it didn't shoot out any bullets, you know? They, they must have run out of either time or money. Time, or, or money, both, maybe. Squ squibs, you know, like... It's yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, it's okay. The kids will never notice. We'll have Kakaida do some cartwheels. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that'll that'll work. Mitsuku and Masaru attempt to run away, but are stopped by the dark destructoid. Gyu gyu gyu! Foot soldiers. As they exit the museum with Mitsuku and Masaru as hostages, we see the large security force for the museum crumpled over on the concrete steps, most likely dead. Silver Cat intends to follow the Dark Code and use Mitsuku and Masaru to lure out Kakaida and destroy the quote-unquote traitor once and for all. Just then, we hear the cherry red guitar of justice. Jiro is high atop the museum, demanding they return his friends and the crown. Silver Cat and Jiro fight atop the museum. Jiro bangs him with his cherry red guitar, and Silver Cat grabs the guitar and bangs him right back. Silver Cat launches his projectile cat claws, and Masaru warns Jiro that the dark foot soldiers are setting up bombs all over the museum. Jiro evades all of Silver Cat's attacks, and is just about to 3-2-1 change into Kakaida when that damnable dark flute of Professor Gill plays annoyingly in the background. As the bomb's timers are set, Jiro struggles with the noise from the dark flute. And dun-dun-dun-dun! Commercial break! So we're gonna insert our own commercial break and come right back. We should do a podcast. Sounds like a great idea, Jeff. But what will we talk about? 
How about a superhero that we both love? Perfect. Some like Thor or Captain America? Uh, both great choices, but um, I think they're being covered by somebody else already. Wait, I've got it. What about the protector of the universe? Like Voltron? No, no, no. The guy with the jewelry that lets him create whatever he wants. Ah, Green Lantern, nice. Close. No, this guy has cosmic awareness. Captain Marvel? Almost. I mean, Quasar. Ah, Quasar. Who doesn't love a good Quasar? Tune in to the Quantum Cast, covering all things Quasar. Yes, that's right. You can find us at quantumbands.blogspot.com. And on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Yeah, that, that didn't sound scripted at all, did it? Bum, 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 bum! Back from the commercial break! And this damn flute is still playing. It's played through the whole goddamn commercial. Anyway, luckily, one of the fallen security guards was not dead, but only unconscious. He sounds an alarm, which drowns out the sound of Professor Gill's dark flute, which is actually a pretty reasonable explanation. After a quick 3-2-1 change into the android Kikaida, Kikaida combats the dark foot soldiers and double chops Silver Cat. Masaru reminds Kikaida, dude, there's a goddamn bomb about to go off, and he launches <laughs> it into the sky where it explodes harmlessly. Except for some birds or whatever's up there. Creative producer Toru Hirayama, the genius behind Toei's superhero and fantasy teleseries, first spotted the Kyutama Sisegi Memorial Hall on a Japanese Dr. Pepper television commercial in the late 1960s. To producer Hirayama, it looked like a Baroque European building out of the Meiji era and first utilized the location in the original Master Rider series. After Master Rider, the Memorial Hall became one of the most often used locations seen in Japanese television. So is this like one of those bridges that you're always talking about where, you know, it's something that was like super familiar to you? Or is this kind of factoid kind of news to you? The, this this didn't really jog any memories. And unlike the bridge where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know that bridge. I know that I know that location like this didn't really jog any like um, memories that, that were rattling around in my brain. <laughs> I think I think it's a good location. Like I I, I can see yeah. why they dug the production value of it. Like it looks cool, but I again kind of like yourself. Like I, even though it looks cool, I don't know that I recognize it from other series at this point. You know. So Professor Gill, meanwhile, is super butthurt that Silver Cat has failed, and he threatens to dismantle him if he doesn't get back the crown. Jiro then brings Mitsuku and Masaro to a secret cave. So his friends can hide out from dark and be safe while he goes after Silver Cat. Mitsuku can hear Jiro's leg is damaged after his last fight and helps to repair the loose joint. As she does so, she has flashbacks to her assisting her father, Professor Komoji, with Jiro's original construction. Mitsuku then begs Jiro to have her complete his conscience circuit and make him a quote-unquote perfect mechanical man. Oh yeah. Jiro insists he's fine the way he is and runs off with the crown to his sidecar to zoom away. I uh, I really like this scene because I thought they had, uh, you know, we had a really nice conversation between these two characters and we we usually don't get to slow down that much in yeah, this series. Yeah. Like we usually don't get to... You know, stop, take a breath, and maybe talk about some 
plot points or some of the characters' feelings, and I really like I really like the scene. I, I feel like there's a lot of there's there's multiple levels of subtext here. You know, there's there's the kind of mm-hmm. man woman subtext thing where you know obviously if if Jiro is turned into a real boy, you know he can be a perfect man. You know, and he's like you know obviously Mitsuko has feelings for him. You know, and and wants him to be more human. And there's that kind of aspect to it, and maybe even the aspect that he's a little. He, he's a little nervous, you know, he's, he's not ready to, to be a, a real man for her, you know, and he, he needs to run off and go have his, his adventures on his sidecar before he can do that. And then, and then I think there's also like, to, to me, there's always been that other dynamic or other level of subtext where, I mean, if, if he is Pinocchio and he becomes a quote unquote real boy, like there's seems to be the danger of him losing what makes him effective in his battle against dark you know like it, it basically mm, yeah. it's kind of like if he's if he's clark kent in superman 2 you know and he he gives up his powers to stay with lois it's like does does jiro becoming a perfect mechanical man mean that he's no longer a, a, a super powered tokusatsu hero and if that's the case like is he any good fighting against dark you know so so maybe there's some some merit to him saying, look, yeah, I am in pain, but it's good that I'm in pain now because at least I can use this pain and these abilities to protect you and Masaru from dark. And, and then, you know, I can become a, a perfect man later and, you know, that we can, you know, have, uh, you know, fun time, you know, in, in the cabin later or whatever, you know, like we can, we can go off and have vacations and and be nice once dark is defeated. But for right now, it's like, we, we sort of need to focus on the, the problem at hand. Speaking of locations, the exterior of the cave where Jiro hides Mitsuko and Masaru with the treasure of manga is another familiar location for Japanese superhero fans. Akin to Southern California's Bronson Canyon and caverns, this cave Yoshimi Hayakatsu in Yoshima, Saitama Prefecture has been employed in numerous Chambara and Jidaigeki series and movies. It was a special spot in the 1980s for use in Sunichiba's Japan Action Club series, such as Toei's Space Sheriff Sherivan and many others. And yeah, I, I do recognize this location. Like this is, it, it's kind of funny they mention uh, Bronson Cave and compare it because, uh, I, I do recognize this, and I was even thinking of Bronson Cave. I was like, "This is like the Japanese Bronson Cave." <laughs> That's yeah, cool. yeah. I, 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 I know it sounds funny, but I feel like when when I was seeing these sequences and these scenes, I'm just kind of like, "I, I know this dirt. I know you, dirt. I recognize you, dirt. Like, <laughs> you are familiar to me, dirt. I have seen you before." You know. So yeah, this is this is something that did stand out. And then and then it's also funny that that they do bring up the comparisons to Bronson Canyon cuz you know, you're thinking about all these famous things whether it's, you know, Batman or V or whatever was filmed at these mm-hmm. locations and stuff. And then obviously like, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, locations, you know, whether it's Space Sheriff or what have you, you know, that that use these locations as well. So yeah, they they definitely seem familiar to me. So, in case you totally missed him, we are now catching up with everybody's favorite, Hattori <laughs> Hanpei, who is busy changing a tire on that green VW bug that he likes to make out with. <laughs> Professor Komoji then sneaks by and into the car, and all of a sudden, the lady in white, the sexy human form of Silver Cat, comes up to Hattori Hanpei, all smiles, asking for a lift since her car broke down. 
Of course, Hattori, like any of us, would be is easily seduced and takes her with him. When the lady in white asks to exit the car in the middle of nowhere, Hattori is surprised when the car stops itself. Hattori Hanpei thinks he's about to get a sexy, sexy peep show when she pulls up her dress, exposing her leg, but then he's shocked to see she's got some robot parts. As she leaves, Hattori follows her suspiciously. Okay, okay. Can, can we talk about this scene? Because, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. I don't I, I don't get it. Because, like, Dr. Komyoji gets in the car while Hattori is changing the tire. And he, he knows something's happened because he, you know, sees the car recoil from his weight. And he looks in the car. There's nobody in there. Okay. And then Silver Cat gets in the car. She doesn't see anybody either. So, like, where did he go? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it feels like they're just, you know, it's this thing like where they're like, we are now bringing you up to speed on the subplot of the Amnesiac Professor Komoji. Thank you for watching. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> you know, like, like they, it's like they have to address it. But I was like, yeah, it's funny because they all kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, it's like, what? Was he going there to see the crown? Like, was he running away from Silver Cat? Like, did Silver Cat even know Professor Komoji was around? Like, I thought she yeah. was going after the crown and going after Mitsuku and Masaru. And so, and then it's like, if he was hiding out, like, even though, like, he's an amnesiac, maybe he still has enough, like, street smarts or, or hidden, you know, like... Uh, uh, know-how to realize like he's got to hide out from dark agents and stuff but then then you're like okay so he gets into the vw bug and then what what does he do does he immediately leave it to go into the bushes and then if you're going to do that why didn't you just keep running you know like yeah i, yeah, I don't i don't know it's like it's like they it, it, basically I, I think it was for the purpose to you know it's like we have to touch on subplot you know d remember subplot d like we we've got to we've got to do that for a few minutes, you know. So I guess that's that's like, the only real reason, you know. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was gonna be like that scene in Last Crusade where like the dude's changing his tire and then like, you know, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery like drive away in his car or whatever. Like I mm. thought that's what it was gonna be. Like Kamoji just takes his VW Bug and starts yeah. making out with the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Mitsuku and Masara wonder where Jiro is as the lady in white comes upon their cave and claims to have a message from the curator. The message is that they should bring back the crown for the upcoming exhibit. Luckily, Hattori Hanpei is also on the scene, and he knows the lady in white is an agent of dark. The lady in white transforms into Silver Cat with the glowy yellow eyes. As Silver Cat is about to kill the three of them, we then hear the cherry red guitar of justice and see Kikaida in the rocky terrain above. Kikaida agrees to hand over the crown in exchange for Masuku and Masaru. However, he places it atop Hattori Hanpei's head, and Hattori runs off Benny Hill style with the dark foot soldiers <laughs> and Silver Cat hot in pursuit. Kikaida then blocks their chase and attacks Silver Cat and his men. Kikaida is attacked with projectile cat claws and cat fire. Jiro straddles Silver Cat after an acrobatic jump and proceeds to pound away at Silver Cat with his fists of justice. He's totally like Dark Knight Returns Batman. He's like, this is an operating table, Silver Cat. And 
I'm the surgeon. <laughs> He's like all badass and shit. He's like, one double chop, rocket jump, giant swing, and the end later, Silver Cat is not the strongest Dark Destructoid, and he's a pile of parts at the bottom of a rocky terrain. So I guess it was hyperbole after all. <laughs> Meanwhile, as Hattori Hanfei drives off with Mitsuku and Masaru, they notice their father's personalized pen in the back seat from when he was hiding out in the VW Bug. As Masaru calls out for his father, Jiro drives off into the sunset on his sidecar. And up next time, probably something that Justin will also be a fan of, as he's a fan of cats, Pink Tiger! The on-screen title, Zankoku Majo Sharuba Kato, was changed from the original script and preview for the next week's episode. Zankoku Majo no Sharuba Kato. Conversely, while the title card was on screen, the narrator reads, Zankoku no Majo Sharuba Kato the original script and preview title. And there is something that I do not have the wherewithal or know-how to even know was a thing, but it's nice to know now. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you think of this episode? Did you did you like this episode, Justin? Yeah, I liked it. Um, like I said, I'm probably predisposed to like Silver Cat, but I thought he was cool. I thought he had a like a nice look. Like I said, he's kinda like a you know, a cat on some kind of like Cyber, Cyberman's body or something, yeah, but yeah, yeah he, he was pretty cool. And you know, like I said, I really like that scene where Jiro and Mitsuko are kind of taking a moment to talk about things going on, you know, w with each other and between themselves. Yeah, like I said, yeah. we, we usually don't get that a lot in the series, and I really like that. Yeah, it's a good moment, and you know, I I think I'm predisposed to like sexy evil Sentai ladies in white <laughs> that lift up their skirts and everything. So, you know, this, this episode worked out for me too. I even, I even kind of liked the, the daughter in the little polka dot like dress and everything. Like she was kind of cute too. So I, you know, I had a good time watching the episode. I think, I think all the ladies looked nice. I, I liked the villains. Like I thought they were cool. I thought, you know, with, with the exception of maybe the, I don't really know why the crown would increase the powers of androids. Yeah. Like I, I thought, you know, most of the, you know, the MacGuffin, it's like, I, I got it. They wanted it because it was going to, you know, benefit them. And, and I think the, the whole explanation of, you know, why the dark flute was drowned out was a decent one this time around. You know, it was, it was well explained. You know, they, they actually had it in the narration if, if in case, you know, I guess the kids at home were lost, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that yeah, was, we usually don't get that because sometimes, I mean, we've even talked about this. Like, we sometimes we're like, I guess this sound like interfered with it. So maybe, maybe like little Japanese kids were confused and they wrote in and they were like, what, you know, what stopped the sound in episode number four? And they were like, oh, we better like put some narration on this yeah. thing, Larry. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they needed to know more than, you know, Hattori Hanpei was crunching on a lollipop <laughs> or making <laughs> farty noises or whatever, which drowned out the. The dark flute sounds and stuff like it's that. It's like, it's like. Meanwhile, Hattori Hanpei scratching his butt like actually canceled out the noise of the flute. It's, it's like, like man, wait, that's, what? <laughs> that's some butt scratch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some epic butt scratching that cancels out the noise of that, and, and that flute's like super annoying. So it has to be like really convincing for me to understand. You know, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like. Meanwhile, Hattori Hanpei is in a. a 
crazy strip joint with like oons, oons, oons music <laughs> like that. I was like, okay, the oons music like cancels out the dark flute. Like I get it, but you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be something worthwhile. Something that like totally explains it to my satisfaction, you know, and that, yeah. that doesn't always work out, but in this episode, like total props, it totally worked mm. out. It was explained to, to your and my satisfaction. All right, I think I think that's probably going to wrap up this episode of Toku Thursdays. Again, if you've enjoyed listening to Toku Thursdays, we will continue to strive and endeavor to bring you our index coverage of Kakaida, among other tokusatsu series, at our leisure. So, uh, of course, we've got plenty of other spin-off shows. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays. We've got Transformers Tuesdays. We've got Sentai Saturdays. We've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. We've got Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them?, where we talk about comic books. We've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. And of course, we've got the Fanholes podcast proper. We're on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. And we are on iTunes. We appreciate all the likes, feedback, shares, retweets, reviews, etc. Commentary. And until the next time. This is going to be Derek, Derek WC, standing high atop a rocky terrain, playing my cherry red guitar of justice, signing off. And this is Jinzo Ningen, Justin. Alright, this better fucking recorded. <laughs> Alright. Stop.